after a one-hour-long discussion with Derek Miner about his The Trap album. We took another hour to dive into some heavy questions. The Trap and the conversation about it unveiled the hardships of a disenfranchised African-American community as they struggled to fly high above the trap by any means. Coming into this interview, I found another opportunity. Let's have an honest and nuanced conversation about race. Yes, not an original idea, but let's do something a little different. Let's pretend for a moment that you, not a person of color, had the opportunity to sit down with a black person and ask them anything without recourse. What would you ask? It is in this vein that Derek Miner and I spoke about racial stereotypes, misconceptions, and solutions to help people understand each other better. Instead of shouting and arguing, we used it as a teachable moment that takes many of the rebuttals towards the African-American community and gives a more thoughtful answer. It is also important to note, and he acknowledges it as well, that Derek Miner does not speak for all black people. He is aware that some people may agree with the rebuttals and that others may even fall somewhere in the middle. This is his take and interpretation towards the questions being asked. So without further ado, Rapzilla presents a black and white conversation about race. Okay, next question. A white cop killed a black person, and here's the rebuttal. But what about black on black crime? Uh, I would say, I would say, I would say, and, and this, like, that is such a, uh, that's a very lazy answer. Like, first of all, that is, uh, that's lazy just in general in the sense of, well, that's a lazy question. And I would say the reason why it's lazy is one, you never, uh, I, you just do a quick Google search and you can see that people kill people in their own communities more than they do out of their own community. Mm-hmm. So this, that's a two, um, two answer question. Uh, answer number one, all crime, the primarily within every culture, the crime is amongst the culture. So white on white crime is, is just is as prevalent. 80% of crimes is white people killing white people. 80% of, you know, black people crimes is blacks killing blacks, Asians killing uh, Chinese killing Chinese. And the reason why is because it's proximity. We all usually live and work and everything usually within a certain community. So it's just logical. Like if I get into it, I'm probably going to get into it with somebody in my community. Um, so that's number one. Um, number two the regardless of that it doesn't it still doesn't shy away from if a cop misused his power uh in in the neighborhood that he polices like one doesn't justify or delegitimize uh the other one so black on black crime could be at an all-time high but that doesn't change the fact that this police officer misused their power and killed this person um, that that still matters, and that's what I would say with that. Okay. Is All right. that, that yes, we have to for sure. You know, every, everyone should within their own communities do the best to not hurt one another. But everyone hurts one another in their communities. White people hurt each. The the rates of white on white crime is the same, pretty much the same as it is with black on black crime. So. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't, it's a, that's a really lazy question. <laughs> yeah. 
Black people have been free since the Civil War, so why are they still using that as a crutch? Um, that's yeah, that's a very um, lazy question as well. But to, to answer your your question that is very nuanced, um, I will uh, I'll try to boil it down for you in a couple minutes. Um, ideally everyone is standing on the shoulders of their forefathers. So um, most kids today, they enjoy their lifestyle based off of what, I mean, everyone, you enjoy your lifestyle based off of what your parents can provide for you. And you take what your parents provided for you and you build off of that, right? So um, if you, you say your parents were, uh, didn't you say your parents were uh, from from New York and right. where where where's your uh, are, were they were they immigrants? You said your no um, my Puerto- my my dad actually his ancestry is like Polish, but you know he was raised Jewish, and my okay. mom is Puerto Rican, but her parents actually came from Puerto Rico in the forties. Right, so my they got together. Yeah. They got together, right, and whatever happened in their life afforded them to be able to be here to immigrate to America. And then they got together and you reap the benefits of that. Right. Right. Yeah. You reap the benefits of that. So, you know, you don't have to work (laughs) when you're, when you're two years old, your parents provide the life for you that they can, that they can provide. Well, now let's look at that collectively at black people within America. They have been discriminated against, from being able to even live a normal life. So, you know, for the rights that America has supposed to afford to everyone, everyone doesn't get those rights. And historically, you can see uh, the, the proof of that. So the reason why slavery is so huge in our life here in America and why many people connect that to where they're at now is very simple. We're all standing on the shoulders of what our parents and grandparents and great-great-grandparents could afford the life to give us. So when you have the actual government itself stifling and, and, and preventing people from, uh, I mean, first of all, being able to read and write, then after not only being able to read and write, but owning land. So now that's two, 250, 300 years, well, actually 400 years of that. <laughs> so you have 400 years of that being a reality. So can't read and write, can't own land. So that means you can't build wealth and you can't educate yourself. That's 400 years of that. Then from there, you have Jim Crow, which is, well, we don't own you anymore, but um, we prevent you from, we prevent you through our laws from educating yourself. Now, we can't kill you for not educating yourself, but we can definitely say blacks can't go to this school, blacks can't go to that school, which they can't go to the best schools. Um, Blacks aren't able to own land because of redlining, so we, the banks would turn, you know, black people down. So then now, that's our, that's our great grand, that's our grandparents' generation where they're not able to accumulate wealth or even educate themselves at the rate that, you know, that a white parent would be able to do that. All of that is passed down to the kid today. All of that is passed down to the kid today. 
And what we're seeing is that, again, in the black communities, a black person, even with the same education, the same education makes half or less than than their white counterparts. And that's males. That's not include women in that. That's even worse. So um, we talk about, I mean, America is capitalism. Like what determines your success in America is how much money you have. We're a capitalistic mm-hmm. society. So the, if you want to hold someone back in our society, you limit their ability to get capital. And that has been happening to black people since they have been uh, inserted into America. So therefore, that's why black people talk about slavery, Jim Crow, um, and privatized prisons as collective. Those things are specific to our culture, which has held us back from being able to have the opportunities for generation after generation. And that um, that has held us back as a culture to this day.